Amy Fisher captured news headlines when she went head to head with longtime New Zealand Olympic canoe champion Lisa Carrington, pulling off a win in the first of three races. The second and third trial sparked huge excitement, especially on the all important last race with the pair tied one apiece. Lisa took that race, but essentially the showdown will be remembered for the attention it garnered for canoe racing and the phenomenal depth of female canoe athletes in the small country. The story behind Amy Fisher is one of risk, strength and bravery. When she came up against challenges, she didn't give up the sport she loved, but changed the environment to strengthen her mind and body, walking away from Canoe New Zealand racing over athlete welfare. There's been a lot of attention and reviews of the treatment of female athletes in high performance sport. Clearly, Amy Fisher is one who has a strong mindset and achieving incredible success along the way. She joins me now. Thank you for joining me, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. It's, um, it's a real honour to be a part oh, of it. <laughs> that's very nice of you. Thank you. First of all, congratulations on those nail-biting three races. They were so exciting to watch. Now you've had time to process it. How do you think they went? Look, oh, that, it was the most intense thing I think I've ever been a part of. You know, I've, I've raced um, at the Olympics, the, the Rio Olympics, um, you know, at the world champs last year, I went over and, and I went on my own without a coach. And I thought that was kind of the epitome of, <laughs> um, you know, being tested. But that three race series with Lisa was on a whole different, uh, different, you know, ballpark kind of thing. And wow. um, oh, it was, su it was such an honor, you know, to be a part of that. Yeah, and, um, it's exciting you know, to watch. I don't think if, even if you'd never watched canoe racing before, you were just swept up in the excitement of it all. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Like it's it's blown me away over the last couple of months. Um, the number of people that have told me, you know, that they watched the race, and you know, they've never watched kayaking before in their life, and people were tuning in at work, and you know, yelling at their phones, and <laughs> getting right into it. And I mm -hmm. think, gosh, it's it's got to be so good for the sport, right? You know, and even at the actual race, we haven't had had crowds like that at our national events you know, wow. let alone just Crazy. a pure trial. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's exciting. It's exciting um, to see what kind of, you know, momentum will come from that um, for the sport. And, and, you know, hopefully we get some young females, you know, that were inspired by the, the Clash of the Titans, you know. Absolutely. I think you definitely will have more people interested in the sport. Yeah, yeah. So we all knew Lisa Carrington, but, you know, we want to know a little bit more about Amy Fisher. Tell me where it all began for you. How did you get into kayaking? So I was 12 um, when I first got into a kayak. And I mean, at the time, like, I, I didn't think much of it. Um, from a really, like, young age, maybe as early as eight, I decided I had this I feel like I had this dream on my heart that I wanted to be the best in the world and I thought that was going to be netball right like so I was all in um I wanted to be a silver fern I wanted to be like Irene Van Dyke um <laughs> she was my absolute idol um but you know it turned out that I wasn't actually as good at netball as I thought I was <laughs> <laughs> but you still had this dream that you wanted still to be this dream. really That's good right. at something it was, it was a matter of occasion you know and and my dad played a big role in that it was okay, Amy's, you know, Amy's got this dream on her heart. Now we need to find how to channel that, you know? And so I kind of, you know, it was netball first and then I um, really got in, got into swimming and wanted to be the, you know, the next Michael Phelps. Um, I refused to train in the morning, so that was probably never going <laughs> to happen for me. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I kind of stepped into canoe polo 
And so I think that's kind of like where my kayaking background kind of started. Um, and so that was, that was my, you know, my passion. And um, it wasn't until, uh, yeah, it was 12 or so. And I, and I heard about kayaking and a lot of the local canoe polo players were doing it um, as part of their training. Because you were Hastings? This is living in Hastings. Hastings. Yeah, happening in Hastings. And so the local um, Hawke's Bay Club, one of the um, canoe polo players' mums, Pip Pierce, she was actually the coach um, of this club. And so, um, yeah, just kind of like organised to go down and, and give it a go. Um, I actually hated my first session. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a K4 um, and I was put at the front of the boat and I had three girls behind me kind of nagging me and... And I thought, Amy, you just got to make it through the session and then you never have to come back again. Like, okay, it'll, it'll be over soon. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, it wasn't the most, like, um, it wasn't love at first sight or anything. But interesting, like, at, at the end, the coach, she put me into a, a single, a K1. And I fell in love with it. Um, and so I think, yeah, that was kind of the moment. Um, I still played canoe polo and did surf lifesaving, but kayaking kind of became you know my vehicle to to chase out you know see if I could achieve this dream and um yeah and I've kind of just been running with it ever since I um in the beginning like I'd only train like once or twice a week so my work ethic and my courage and even my competitiveness they didn't necessarily align with this you know crazy dream that I had um so we've kind of been on a journey of of learning how to how to grow in that space and um you know the discipline the resilience and the work ethic and yeah it's certainly certainly been a journey and what was that when was the time where you realized you had a real future in the sport and you thought right I need to get serious I need to get a few more training Mm. sessions in besides (laughs) one or two a week and I need to commit yeah oh it's funny because like I won my first nationals when I was 13 oh Um, wow and so I was like oh okay this could be the sport you know because I still kind of you know testing out other sports and stuff but you know won won the nationals and so I was like, all right this you know this could be real but I still I still wouldn't train you know <laughs> like I would look at the weekly program and it must have frustrated Pip so much I'd look at the plan and I'd pick the easy sessions I wouldn't show up for a 10k time trial on Saturday or I wouldn't come on Wednesday for the hard seat I just hated working hard I was so afraid of the pain so afraid um and so I just for for you years though I like I probably didn't start training consistently every day until I was maybe 17 18 um, when I made the junior worlds team and um and it honestly I reckon must have been when I first made the senior team up here that I started training in the mornings and that was about yeah 19 20 um so yeah it's, it's been unusual and I think it's only really been in the last like maybe two or three years that I've kind of managed to work through that that fear of the pain the fear of suffering and and just kind of learn to be you know comfortable in that space and and just kind of accept it and not let that stress you know ramp so up interesting so you yeah were, you were you were scared of the pain I mean yeah. we're all scared of pain but you know someone to hear like someone like you and a, a, such an amazing athlete be scared of that and it took you a while to get over that so yeah and that's the thing you know like like my coaches when I was young um you know having talked to them you know since then you know it was kind of always the thing that yeah I had the talent and maybe had the vision but um people were never sure if I'd make it because I just 
I didn't show signs of having the grit and the work ethic, you know? Um, and so it's, it's funny, like I, I think it's easy for people to assume that we're all really tough, totally. you know, and that we don't feel anything, um, you know, that we're just born this way and it's been complete opposite for me, you know, like I, I remember paddling to start lines, even just on local regattas in tears because I was so scared you know um and then to you know to start from such a you know like a humble humble (laughs) beginning to then you know stepping into something like that three race series um and it was it was hard but I think if I'd told you know 13 year old Amy that hey this is this is where you're heading and this is what you're gonna do one day I don't really think I would have believed that I you know that I would have been able to do that like I always thought it would be the thing that would stop me from you know being one of the greatest and yeah just just that crippling fear um, around competition around pain and um so how do you get how did you get over it what would be your tips to to telling people how to get over that I think it's one of those things where it's like it's exposure to it right exposure to your fear um and it's 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 volunteering volunteering voluntarily stepping into that space and choosing to confront that thing that has a hold on you right um and so especially especially over the last few years I've been really trying to like run with that principle and whenever I kind of recognize something that really that scares me um within reason like I try and step into that and deal with it you know like it's um the avoidance you know um tactic that I used to have when I was younger you know like it just doesn't it doesn't work like that you don't you don't overcome that fear and um so I think it's just been a like a 15 16 year um period of just just you know every now and then just dipping dipping your toes in you know and and learning and and being patient I, I was very lucky growing up and in the sport that I had coaches that from an early age, you know, they, they said to me, Amy, you can learn, you can learn the courage and the work ethic and the discipline, like you don't, because I just always assumed that, looked at everyone else and was like, oh, they're just born this way, I'm not cut out for it, right? Um, but it's been, it's been like an, an educational process of, yeah, continuously facing your fears and I think having a, a great enough why that you can kind of overcome anyhow, right? Absolutely. So when you're in that, those races with Lisa, you know, and you're pushing and that pain, it must be intense. I mean, I can't even imagine Mm -hmm. the pain you're going through. What is that? What goes through your mind at that moment where you almost can't bear the pain? It's funny, you know, like when we line up, I'd say it'd probably be pretty similar for her, but you line up knowing that in 400 or so meters, you're going to be in the most intense pain where everything is seizing up on you and you just have to trust the work that you've done and we both know that we're going to absolutely fall to bits right <laughs> and so it's kind of like well in in that time it's for me like especially in that first race I felt everything starting to seize up and it's really easy to panic in that situation you know you start losing control um and you feel like you're kind of paddling like a T-Rex, you know, like everything <laughs> kind of <laughs> shortens up. And I remember this moment and like the first couple of strokes that it started happening in that last little section of the race. And I panicked. And then all of a sudden it was like, I just feel like I had this moment of relax. 
relax you know like just you don't need to stress just be calm and keep moving and one stroke at a time you know I think that when you get even more panicked and you know it's hurting and everything it just gets heightened you know and so trying to you know stay in control of your mind and and I mean yeah I only ended up winning by <laughs> you know, you know the tiny length that's all that matters right yeah and then and then she got me by the same margin on yeah. the next race you know yeah. like I blew to bits and she came past and um yeah it is it is confronting and um and it, it's very yeah it's painful but yeah it's um those kind of white hot pressure moments there you remember them for a lifetime right yeah, you know like totally pressure is a privilege yeah um, to be a part of something that that intense and and so hard but at the same time like you just when you're in it you can't wish it away what if you never get an opportunity like that again yeah absolutely as you say Mm -hmm. remember that why and so you obviously had this dream right from you were young and you found your sport and then when and you obviously realize at 13 that you could actually become a national Mm. champion and go further and push yourself a little bit harder and then so take me through what happened after that yeah I mean like it, it was a kind of a process of you know like I was attending junior worlds each year and getting a bit of a feel for it like I remember first year we didn't make an A final um and then two years later I raced the K1 and, and came fifth wasn't unofficially announced as third but it was kind of my first like oh okay this is this is maybe this is real you know but that whole time it was still plagued by doubt you know even though you get these little tastes of success and things we're all very human right um and so yeah, did the junior worlds and then um, entered the the high performance system when I was 19. And um, we managed, you know, to have a really quick um, improvement um, curve and managed, you know, to qualify for the Rio Olympics under Renee Olsen. And um, that, that was also intense. That would be right up there with the three race series. <laughs> yeah. Well, you went to the Olympics. Yeah, the, the Rio Olympics. I was 21 in the K4. Wow. Um, and I like I remember you know as we were getting ready to go out for the final like I almost couldn't stand upright I was so stressed and it felt like there was this knife like driving into my abdomen because it was like butterflies times a thousand kind of thing (laughs) um and I just remember like I was in so much pain but I was like I can't show my teammates that I'm that I'm afraid or you know that I'm um scared and, and struggling so I was like you just have to be strong be strong for them and and try and poker face it and yeah um it was yeah that was a phenomenal experience and we ended up coming for fifth in that which um which was, it was amazing because you're all really amazing. young yeah we were probably like the most happiest fifth place crew in the world you know <laughs> like such a big success for us and it was yeah it was it was kind of the learning you know it was olympics for learning and getting some experience um and the plan was always kind of like tokyo paris la and that was a good way to like get a bit of exposure to her to it because you can go to world champs and you're racing the same athletes right if anything the olympics is there's less people there there's less depth um but it's just a totally different beast yeah. you know it is the epitome of you know every four years that that's the mountain to climb right and the whole world watches you know totally all of a sudden you know stop and tune in um and so it's it's intense um but it was an incredible you know to get that experience under my belt and um and then yeah after that 
more, more and more K4 and um, started getting some really good results and winning and um, yeah. And then something, I mean, obviously you realized at some point along the way that something wasn't quite right with your training, what, what you were doing. Talk me through that. I guess, um, you know, like I, in 2017, um, after the Rio Olympics, like I went and I won the under 23 world champs. Um, so I won the 200 and the 500 under an A and was going really fast and, you know, on a very steep curve. Um, and I was very excited for the future and, and then that kind of, you know, um, fell apart and, and Renee left for, to go coach over in GB. Um, and so I jumped in, you know, with, with Gordy and Lisa and trained with them, um, you know, for two or three years and, and went all in and, and, and gave it a crack. And, and the program was very different from what I had done. So what I had done in the past was very, you can kind of go at it two ways. You can get really strong or you can get really fit. And so for me, I found like, with the strength focus um, emphasis, that's where I made the most improvement. Um, so the tactic was, you know, to have such a high strength reserve that each stroke you do, you have, you know, you, ha you haven't used, yeah, your full capacity and, and to be able to do 500 meters and, and keep that distance per stroke the whole way down the course. So I was just trying to get fit and strong for a specific, you know, length of time. Whereas, with the endurance side of things, like I, I improved, like I, my um, fitness testing, like it was going up and I had some of the best, you know, numbers in the team. And, and so there was all this development that was happening, but it wasn't really convert, converting into a, a, a good race. Um, and so, yeah, I guess when, you know, the Olympics got postponed in 2020, you know, and I was meant to be racing K1 at that event. Um, I kind of saw it as an opportunity. Okay, well, we've just been given a, a year extension on the due date, you know? Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, this is my opportunity to, to, change, to change the way that I'm doing it. Like, I um, was going faster when I was 22 than, you know, when I was 25. And I was like, okay, like, I've looked at the data. Um, it seemed, you know, it's pretty black and white. And so, look, I just wanted to go down a different path. Um, yeah. I wanted to go back to what had worked for me. Like, I felt like I'd, you know, given it a good shot and um wanted to go all in I was like you know like this is my dream you know it's been my dream for the longest time and you might only get one shot right and so I was like right I just I've got to go all in and so you know um switched back to my to a strength program and wholeheartedly believed um in myself and was unwa unwavering in that and um yeah, that, that caused a little, you know, a bit of conflict and, and in the end it meant um, wanting to do my own program outside the system meant that I missed out on the Olympics, um, which was hard. It was, um, it was difficult, you know, to sit back here and, and watch. Um, knowing that you would have been in the team. Yeah, yeah, knowing I would have been there. Um, but at the end of the day, I was like, I know, I know what works for me. Like I have to follow and yeah. walk in my own truth the best that right. I know it. Um, and stand by that and and I did and you know I got to go to the world champs and you know have a crack and I you know, managed to beat the silver and bronze medalists you know from Amazing. the Olympics and yeah and so and how did you did you just did you have a coach I mean I don't understand how like how old were you at this time you were what 20 when 22? I won the worlds um, Wait, before you left with the program it was quite a you were such a brave thing to do for for yeah. you and I, I guess you had a coach you found a new coach and all these these different things you need to do to get people in place to have the mm. success that you've had that must have been really challenging 
yeah, I think I feel like the last two years of my life um, have possibly possibly been the hardest. Um, but at the same time, like the most incredible, like I've grown so much um, as a woman. And yeah, I, it was, I was 25 when I stepped out. And, um, and so I kind of like I led my own program. Um, you know, that's so people. brave. I mean, how did you, did you, were there moments you're going, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah, there was, <laughs> you know, like some days I'd be out there um, in the early days out there on my own and I'd be crying and, and struggling and, you know, it'd be in the middle of winter and it'd be getting dark and yeah, there would be that, that kind of the doubt and, and the fear and all, all the things, you know, all the insecurities and I don't know, I just, I just keep coming back to that place of, of that dream and, and, and trusting that and trusting that process and, and just walking in my truth and and it was interesting you know like those first the first month or so was really hard and then slowly like one by one these people just kind of came around me and and supported me and, and created this kind of community we just had this the squad of people you know that were kind of that joined me in this quite alternative training program and um yeah, it was incredible. And I think if people hadn't come around me like that, like I wouldn't, I probably would quit, you know, like I, I would be done. Um, but people saw me and they weren't going to let me fall, oh, you know. So, isn't that um, amazing? It was the most incredible thing. Like it was so beautiful and and it made me feel so so loved and so valued. And, you know, every every time that that fear or insecurity would creep in at training or even on a start line of a race. Um, you know, I'd think of them and I was like, I have a responsibility to these people, to everyone that is, you know, on my team and, and, and fighting for me. Like I need, I need to step up, you know, cause I do have a history of, especially of racing where I wouldn't always perform under pressure. You know, that fear that I talked about, um, like I was so inconsistent some days I would you know have a race um off this planet you know out of this planet kind of and then the next day I wouldn't commit at all because I was so scared and so it was so you know and so you know step, stepping out and, and doing my own thing and um yeah there, there were times when I'd line up and I felt like I had the weight of the world on, on my shoulders and I was so scared you know that I wouldn't commit or that I'd let everyone down and but I think that the responsibility that I felt, you know, for all my people, it just, I had to rise, you know, I had to race for them. And, and I think that's always kind of been the thing that that's where I find my best is um, not necessarily when I'm racing for myself. It's when I, when I race for others. Yeah. Um, it's such a solo sport, isn't it? But then, you know, when yeah. you think of that, you, there's a whole team of people behind you that's, that you can't let down and it's yeah. great. Yeah. And they, you know, and, and I'm sure you know, that it's one of those things where like, you know, even if you do let them down, the sun will still rise and you'll still be loved, but I just have to, I have to show up and give it my all, yeah. you know, and if that's not enough, that's okay. Um, but you know, like that third race with Lisa, like, I remember we had this moment out there as we were lining up and just her and I, and, and I, and I turned and I said to her, like, you know, just do your thing. You're okay. You know, we're okay. This is so hard and it feels like <laughs> the end of the world and, but it is okay. And, and she said, you know, this just makes us stronger. And as you, you know, we lined up, I, I looked up at, you know, the crowd and, 
all my people, my whole team was there, you know, my family traveled from all over the country and, and, you know, sort of people that are supporting me. And I just felt like there was just this moment of being, you know, like, yeah, there's so much love and I am not defined by this, but I'm going to rise for my people the best I can, you know, like I will represent you and, and do everything I can. And, you know, the sun will rise. Absolutely. What happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's such sounds like it was such an important race for you that that, mm. that that race because actually it was a culmination of two years of that mm. hard work that you put on those big brave decisions that you made. And so yeah. that that must have been like you going, fuel, this actually paid off. You know, yeah. I've done the right thing. This is it. I was yeah. I'm okay. And that's it. Like there was probably like three different, you know, like races over the last two years that were kind of like, okay where you know I'm on the right path I made the right decision and certainly yeah that that series was a big part of that okay you know this is still this is still real I can still do this um I've made a made the right decision for me um and so yeah now we've got two years until Paris um and I'm sure there'll be many more run-ins good you yeah. know clashes yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right so what were your dreams for 2024 then um I want to be the best yeah that's that's the goal and it's it's funny it's one of those things that is really scary to say it out loud you know say it out loud say it out loud and it's when I was younger I didn't used to say it out loud and and now I'm like well it's the truth we all want to be the best absolutely yeah well we're going to speak about it and we're talking about being and I'm going to believe and um roll the dice and and go all in and and see what happens and I'm so impressed by your self-awareness and you know everything you're saying is because it's such a mental sport the sport you're doing and a lot of sports are the same you know I mean culture and athlete well-being being under the spotlight the way it is uh you know how do you how do you how do you what do you think you need what do you think female athletes need specifically to to develop well to develop as a person and to be a great athlete Mm. it's a very complicated one um like i think in general high performance sport no matter what sport that is you know um it's dangerous you know it's it's dangerous for anyone to, to kind of be in that limelight um or you know addicted to the because it it is a bit of an addiction right you know like our identities are so wrapped up in this thing you know for years like I was just so hung up on you know you'd introduce yourself oh hi I'm Amy what do you do I'm an Olympian you know (laughs) and and so like within that like we do become so at risk you know like even in a perfect perfect world you know, you've, you've had your career, you know, you've been in this high performance setting, rugby, netball, whatever it is, and then you retire and you've got to go step into the next walk of life, right? Well, you're not some rock star or whatever. It's hard. They invest so much money in setting us up with Prime Minister scholarships. You know, they want us to have a, a plan B for after sport because this, this is a golden window of your life, right? It won't last forever. Um, and so it, it is it is hard it is hard to, that transition on a on a good day and then i think once you throw into that mix um you know settings where it's not you know completely safe and it just heightens things you know tenfold and um and, and it 
it is, it is a tricky one. You know, like uh, I think we talked about it earlier that there, you know, there, there are a lot of sports at the moment that are struggling to get that right. And we have this opportunity, right? And there, there are conversations, you know, that are being had and, um, you know, some of the, you know, the report into cycling has kind of indicated a few things, you know, that need to change. And, and some of that comes down to that, the kind of power imbalance, you know, that can happen in those settings. Um, and I think, I think for me, I, one of the things like I, like I love paddling now, um, like it's a hobby for me where it was kind of a chore beforehand, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I had this dream and this purpose and I was, you know, so full of, like I was so intentional about what I was doing and driven, but it didn't bring me a lot of joy. Whereas now, now that I'm kind of outside of that and I have this autonomy, right? I feel yes. so empowered every day I go and do what I believe is right for Amy. I'm the customer, you know? Yeah. I, you and know? you love it. And I think that's really yeah. important because often I think along the way you forget because as yeah. you say, there's so much pressure to perform, to show people you're the best, to be who mm. you think you are. Whereas, and you lose the love for what, what it should be, a sport. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It, it should be the dream, right? Yeah. But it's not always. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think a lot of it comes down to, yeah, some of those power imbalances and, and figuring out ways like, well, how do, we, how do we empower athletes, you know, to have more of a voice? How do we educate them so that maybe, the, I don't know that the answer is for everyone to write their own program because it's pretty like... <laughs> But I think if you take charge of your own of your own yeah. program, that can help, right? And so yeah. I guess if you were like railing castles and you know, this is that there's been a really damning review of the high performance system in cycling New Zealand following, you know, the tragic death of Olivia Podmore. And you know, but people will be thinking, how can we make this better? And I guess, yeah, for you it's about having your own program, having mm. knowing who you are and mm. you know, what more could we do to help our young athletes, especially female? Mm look yeah it's it's such a hard one i think that i think centralization is something that needs to be reviewed um like i do understand it especially you know when you're looking at team sports that you know like hockey um netball and, and rugby and things like that or, or rowing with, with people in the eights like you do need them training together um but i think that outside of that or even within that, I think there needs to be more freedom for people to, you know, not have just one size fits all. Yeah. You know? Or individualized and, um, programs. Individualized and and even if it's, you know, coming together every now and then, but still being able to, you know, stay, you know, young athletes staying at home longer with their family or um, being able to train in a club environment you know, where, where it's just a bit more relaxed and, you know, because that's what I'm doing at the moment. Like I, I integrate a lot with just the, the local club. Um, and so some days we'll be training with, you know, little ankle grazers. Oh, little lucky them. Right they must yeah. be get excited about that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. And then, you know, we have um, the Masters guys there too. We have everything in between. And I think, you know, for me, a lot of what drives me is... Um, been able to make an impact, you know, um, and make a difference. And I've always kind of had this, this vision of like lifting others as I climb, mm. you know? And so by being in that space, like I constantly, like, like it tops up my soul so much, you know? Um, 
I get to give back every single day um, and, you know, and be a part of this community, which I kind of, from when I was in the high performance setting, like it was really hard for me to tap into that, you know, like you'd have to organize things outside of training, which was hard. And I don't know, I, I, I think it's just, yeah, I don't know, creating space for athletes to, to be empowered and um, to have autonomy over what they're doing and to have a voice and to be educated, you know, so that we're not just completely reliant on the coach, which I think sometimes is where, you know, it can, it can be a little, it can be difficult um, when you just look to one person for all your answers, all your belief, all your value. Yeah. You know, like we want to equip people. Yeah, because um, it's, yeah, real life is lots of, there's lots of people around you in real life situation with, yeah, whatever you're doing, work, university, and this, yeah. yeah, environment sort of needs to maybe reflect that a bit more. Mm. Yeah, make, make the athlete the customer, you know, yeah, rather yeah. than trying to please, you know, the, the, um, the coaches and the staff, you know, because mm. I think often it can end up being that way. Um, and I guess also mentally equipping them, you know, there's all so much focus on, you know, athleticism, but what about the mind behind it and, you know, strengthening mm. your mindset? Yeah, and I think it's good. I feel like there is a lot more um, conversation around mental well-being and, um people being more vulnerable in that space and and I think that being vulnerable in the first place like that that has to happen before you can have this wider impact of um growing and and developing that resilience and you know being able to acknowledge that and um and even you know like like I want people to know that I'm so scared (laughs) yeah most of the time when I line yeah. up you know, like, even Amy Fisher is scared when she gets so into that yeah you know <laughs> yeah um this is hard you know like this is a, a white yeah. hot pressure lifestyle mm. um and there are days when it, it breaks you you know um which I'm sure any walk of life does when you go all in right yeah. um when you're striving with, with with everything you've got and it means so much um there's going to be moments that are absolutely you know crippling and but it's those moments you know when you're trying to step out of that where it's okay what what can I learn here you know don't don't wish it away there's something in yeah something even in about this we feel so terrible at the time but this actually is going to be okay yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I certainly hope that like that that struggle is, is different different for the next generation but like it's all kind of you know like it, it might just purely be the pressure around racing and things but I think if there's this culture of acknowledging it and, and learning when you're in that space and yeah and so that the next time when you go into that you're more equipped right you didn't yeah. just walk away and Absolutely. wait to go over. it was um the process of being refined and growing through that yeah and you mentioned inspiring others who, who inspires you who's like your mentor but I think I read it was Dame Val one of them was Dame Val yeah, Adams exactly. yeah. I always you know from a really young age um I just admired her. I yeah. think she's the most um, incredible woman. And I just, gosh, she's had such an impact on so many lives. And um, so, yeah, her, my mum. Yeah. And you mentioned really, even your dad as well was really, that your parents have been really involved, have they? Yeah, yeah. Dad was actually like the last person I kind of talked to in those final moments before getting on. Like it's always kind of been... Like, I, I kind of hate that final moment. No, it's just like, like, let's get this I'm over so with. I'm so anxious and it's, you know, it's it, the, the time's going so fast, but that's usually the time, you know, where I 
me and my you know, like it's my dad you know yeah we, and what does he walk- say to you nothing <laughs> it's, but it's, it's, it's his presence and um yeah you know we walk down together and it feels like you're almost walking out into a boxing ring you know totally <laughs> a showdown and you know as I the last thing I did was you know I turned around and gave him a big hug and I nearly cried um oh <laughs> but yeah my parents um they 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 inspire me a lot you know like the way that they hold themselves and they're so kind and like I aspire to that and and just everyone that I you know even you know people that surround me at training and in my team and they inspire me every day you know to be better and um, yeah to do the best I can and yeah it's good I, I feel very privileged I got a pretty um special community behind me oh that's so great oh well thank you so much for joining me Amy I think we've learned a lot about high performance life and how you've managed to equip yourself and go forward and know what is important for you and working out what you need. And you've really been strong and an incredible role model for other people to look at that and, and, and watch what you're doing. And we're totally inspired. We know we'll see you at the Olympics in 2024 and best of luck for your training for the years ahead. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed my time. Thank you. Thanks.